It is Adam, and we had the chance to talk to Tosoki over Zoom video. Tosoki talks to us about being born and raised in Wyndham in the UK and how around 13 years old he was moved to Scotland and he went from kind of a city life to living on a farm. And living on the farm is what really drew him to computers and writing and recording music on the computer. He talks to us about the rock bands he was in growing up. The first instrument he learned how to play was guitar and he was in some heavier bands while living in Wyndham before moving to, to Scotland. Tosoki talks to us about his initial success touring all over the UK and Europe, eventually getting to the United States. We talk about the success of his song Wobble and all about this new record he just released, which is the area code to where he grew up. And he wrote the whole thing during lockdown as kind of a homesick experiment to, to missing his family at home and not being able to see them throughout the course of this entire pandemic. You can watch our interview with Tosoki on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. We'd love it if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're Bringing It Backwards with Tosoki. This podcast is all about you, your journey in music, and we'll talk about the new record you have coming out. I appreciate your time, man. Thank you. Um, Tell me about what uh, you're in L.A. now, right? Orange County. Oh, Uh, Orange County. Same. Similar. Pretty much L.A. Yeah, Yeah, I'm from San Diego, so I know a little bit. A little bit about Southern California, but I've moved recently to Nashville. So not in SoCal anymore, but uh, grew up there, born and raised there. But you weren't born and raised in in, in Orange County, were you? No. No. Tell me about where you grew up. I'm, uh, I'm from the U.K., I'm from England. Yeah. Um, born and raised in a, in a small town called uh, called Wyndham, which is kind of close to Cambridge, I guess. Um, and uh, yeah, lived there until I was like 13. And I and I'm, myself and uh, my family moved to uh, Scotland. And oh, wow. Yeah, that's kind of where I had my teenage years, but. Yeah, I always, I always kind of identify as, as, as growing up in England. I mean, that's kind of, you know, that's where I was born and where I was raised. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and then ever since I just kind of lived all over the place. <laughs> sure. From Wyndham to, to Scotland, was it weird? Mo- I mean, I, I'm not too familiar as far as uh, the UK goes. Is it similar in a sense, uh, living in Scotland versus living in, in Wyndham? Or no, I mean, not at all? I mean, there's, you know, there's, there's obviously similarities because the, the UK is in essence, just very small everywhere, you know, right. nothing kind of compares to the magnitude of America, but yeah, Wyndham, Wyndham was a, is a small town outside of a city called Norwich, which is, which is kind of close to Cambridge as well. I, I always say, you know, Cambridge, because that's what a lot of people in America know because of the universities and stuff. Right. So. Right. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was. It was very different because in Scotland it was uh, I, I lived on a farm. And oh wow! Yeah, it was it was in like the middle of nowhere, and you know there was nothing around. So going from kind of like a small city to a farm at, at that kind of pivotal moment in you know a teenager's life around thirteen, fourteen, you know, kind of coming of age kind of time to to move into like the middle of nowhere it was definitely different, but. Yeah, I I did it right. <laughs> yeah, was it something that was it? Were you like 
I would imagine because I just did this to my 13 year old is we we moved to Nashville. So he yeah. grew up born and raised in San Diego. And then we moved clear across the whole country and he's kind of have to start over here. Was it and uh, was it hard to kind of pick up and move to a completely new country? I mean, you're in a different country at this point, right? I mean, essentially. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, life life is I like to think of life as like, you know, I mean, it's a lot of ebb and flow. Uh -huh. um i think it's just kind of how you i mean when obviously when you're younger it's it's a lot different but you know as you get older you kind of come to realize that everything is still accessible you know if you know if worst comes to worst i can jump on a flight or i can i can drive somewhere now and mm -hmm. but back then back then you know around 13 14 it was definitely like it felt like my like whole world was changing um, sure but yeah uh, well, how did you get into music? Were you doing music prior to moving to Scotland? Yeah, I mean, the the school that I went to in in England um, was you know heavily focused on the arts. So like, that's um, cool. Yeah, like music, uh, actual art, like drawing and 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 stuff like that, and then also what they call drama, which I I think kind of falls under the line of acting in yeah, a way we we had drama in my school yeah where but, it's like I mean, plays and acting and in in this day and age whenever you say drama you think of like two people fighting but <laughs> so, right no that's funny i never thought about that yeah, <laughs> like feel, drama class weird. probably isn't really uh, associated the same way anymore <laughs> as it was you know 25 years ago yeah it feels it feel it does feel weird saying it now but uh, drama class that's funny <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so I, I went I went to that school uh, and that was kind of my first uh, kind of e exposure per se to music or the arts in general. And uh, I was in a few bands like as, as like a kid and stuff. We did like a few like gigs and a few shows. And uh, oh, wow. just, yeah, it's funny. It was real funny. But are, uh, your, is your, are your parents uh, artistic or musical? I mean, to send you to a music school, that's pretty... I mean, not music school, but a more of an artistic school. Yeah, I, they're not they're not musical. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm kind of like the the first one in our family have have the whole family to to be pursuing music. I mean, there's a you know a lot of like my family is just kind of in the you know the the routine kind of jobs out of out of uh, school or university which hey nothing wrong with it like I, right you know sometimes i wish i had a nine-to-five job but yeah i'm kind of the first one to just kind of just say fuck it and just just go on a go like super left field but uh, uh -huh. yeah i think you know the in in the process of choosing the school i guess it was the one in closest proximity to where where i was born and raised so i don't think there was any real intention of being like you know, we want our kids to be doing music and, and that kind of thing. It was just, it was just by chance. Um, oh, okay. But yeah, super cool. That is cool. What was yeah. the first instrument you learned? Were you like a piano player growing up? Uh, guitar. Guitar. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And even yeah, in the but, bands early on, guitar. Yeah, and then I, they were, they were mostly like more, <laughs> when, I, when I think about it, I just, I feel so weird. It was mostly like a, like heavier music which is really strange for a 13 14 15 year old to be into but i yeah i started doing screamo man like i did vocals <laughs> for a bit oh, that's yeah, awesome bro. yeah before my voice had even broke i was i was ruining my my vocal cords but yeah what bands are you into like what what were you trying to mimic uh i was 
I, it started off with like Green Day, right? When I was like okay. way young. Yeah, that was the first band I ever got into. That's so cool that you said that. That's like that's like I feel like Green Day are like the gateway drug to <laughs> yeah to the he- to the heavier stuff, and then and then bro, it all went downhill. It was just like um started to like Alessano, which were like this like pop yeah. punk kind of screw shit, and then uh-huh. and then. And then it just took a dive to like Cannibal Corpse and just like <laughs> Slipknot. That's, just quite, down, down, down. that's yeah, quite the dive. Yes, sir. But hey, it was it was all relative, you know. I think uh-huh. uh, I think that kind of angst and that that aggression while you're a kid going through puberty, at least a young boy, you know, like I think that was that was just my way of expressing myself, just screaming. <laughs> Sure. I mean, a lot. That's funny because a lot of kids get into that or punk rock around those yeah, yeah. ages. It's like more of the, you know, against authority type deal. <laughs> no one, no one knows what authority is, but everyone wants to rebel against it. When you're right, talking, right. So, yeah. Can you believe my parents are making me like clean up my bedroom? <laughs> yeah, it was a wild time. Wild time. Wow. So you're in some bands then before you moved to Scotland. Uh, yeah. Okay. What were, what were these shows you said you guys played a few gigs? Was it like Battle of the Bands or kind of, same kind of vibe, you know? It was uh yeah, it was there was a there was a venue in Norwich called uh Brickmakers mm-hmm. and uh it was kind of like a pub bar, but then they also had this really cool like music venue in it. And then on the side of it they had like a a smaller venue called B2. And I remember we uh we really wanted to play Brickmakers. We were like, oh, we're going to, you know, we're going to sell it out. <laughs> fuck's sake. We're going to sell it out and like all this kind of stuff. And we went there and they were like, you can play the second venue. And we were like, oh, like, okay, cool. And bear in mind, we were like 14, 15 at this time, right? We had no idea how any of this worked. Sure. And uh, yeah, we played the second venue. We must have bought like 30, 40 people. Like at school, we were like peddling tickets and things like that. And, uh, yeah, no, no. I, there was a few others I can't remember the specific, but that was the first one. And it was yeah, probably a big day, right? Big moment. Bro, I was shaking. I was the whole the whole day. I was shaking and just like so nervous. And yeah, it was it was crazy. It was it was really really weird to have that be like my I guess my first experience of like concerts or live shows. Uh huh. Yeah. That's rad. Did that all change when you moved to Scotland? Being in a farm. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I left the bands. Um, mm. The band the broke bands. up. <laughs> yeah, no, that's you know the crazy thing. Real quick, just a quick, uh, quick side note is no, I'd I love did. to hear it. And uh, and I was actually in the UK a couple of years ago working on on some songs, and I'm I'm just in this random Starbucks, and this this guy who's like six foot five. I mean, I'm just under six foot, right? But this guy who like towers above me, just like walks up and it's like Bradley, and I'm like. You know when you, you you see someone and they're really familiar, but you can't like pinpoint what, right. where you yeah. know them from. And at this point, bro, I'd, you know I'd been touring like constantly, so I'd met and seen all these people, and I was like, maybe I met them at a show, like somewhere, blah blah. Right. He's like, yeah, I'm I'm Jacob, and I was like, holy shit, it's the bassist from like my old band. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Just by chance in a Starbucks, and yeah, that was wild, but. Yeah, that was uh That's we, cool. That's yeah, really we, cool. He's probably stoked on how successful you've become. I mean, we we still talk and you know, I, I, the other people in the band, it's just yeah, it's funny, man. We look back at how naive we were, but yeah, moving to moving to Scotland, obviously the band broke up and then just being 
being kind of confined and away from not on purpose, but like, you know, just by chance again, where I was, um, like on the farm in the middle of nowhere, I, I instantly just turned to having a computer and okay. making computer music. Right. Because that's all I did. Like the only thing to really do on a farm when you're like 15 is like, just go on the internet. Right. So, so yeah, or that's farm. kind of, yeah. Huh? <laughs> I said, or farm. Yeah. I'm not. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, actually I did a, I did lambing once like helping lambs and sheep, like give birth. Oh my gosh. Wild. Absolutely wild. Just like stay up all night and like <laughs> get birth these lambs. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, man. It was, it was crazy. But yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of where I fell in love with kind of got addicted to like being glued to a computer and, and, and really learning how to make music on a computer, I guess. What was the first program you're using? Was it Ableton or GarageBand? Uh, Oh, FL Studio. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And was it like you just downloaded it? Like, how did you find out about the program or really dive into it? Was it just people you? I mean, how? how tell me how you got into it. Yeah, it was. Uh, so this was like also when YouTube was like in its infancy. You know, like okay. people people who had like eight hundred thousand subscribers were like the biggest people on the platform. So mm-hmm. I used to watch. Uh, I used to watch like. Uh, live videos of dead mouse and he used to obviously uh i mean i think he still does like plays plays live with the laptop right he's got like mm-hmm. all his midi controllers and everything into his laptop and i i remember and i just remember like <laughs> I, it's so vivid just googling like how to make music on a computer and the first thing that came up was fl studio and i was like right i'll i'll get the demo um Cause I didn't even know about like torrenting at the time. Um, <laughs> man, it was that long. It was, it was like that sweet spot between like, remember LimeWire? Oh yeah, sure. It was between like that. And then when uTorrent had like its big boom. So it was in that kind of like phase of like, you could only really get programs off people who already had it. Right. Um, but yeah, so I downloaded FL with the demo and I think every hour or every 30 minutes it would like cut the audio. So, or you like couldn't save projects so oh, uh man yeah but i i learned it man i got around it and uh yeah that's kind of where it all started it's a really weird way of doing it but you know so you started what creating your own beats on there or writing like full-on songs it was mostly it was mostly like i would take mp3s of other people mm-hmm. and i would like sample uh like drums and, and basses and stuff and kind of just work on my own arrangement of their songs and i'd never release them or anything but mm-hmm. just to kind of familiarize myself with with the program and how to how to arrange things um i did that for like two three years and then i learned about sound design and everything changed <laughs> okay yeah Is, how did when did you learn about that did you go to school for sound design no i I'm 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 entirely self-taught. Okay. Um, in regards to like actual music production with guitar and stuff, I had lessons, but yeah, everything uh, as I was learning. Um, that's when YouTube, like I said, had had more of its boom, and mm-hmm. and you know more people were doing tutorials on YouTube and and, and walkthroughs and things like that. So that that definitely helped me kind of learn everything by myself. Um. But yeah, that was just 
it was really weird how it all happened. It was, it was almost like it was like perfect timing in a way, mm-hmm. but yeah, strange, very strange. Did you then put what, what was your first like step or like, when did you start Tazoki? Was that later down the line or like how quickly were you like putting songs up or were you doing it on SoundCloud or anything like that? It was like the next step. Yeah. I mean, I, I always had the, the alias. Okay. And it, it was just a word that I'd made up and, and, even back then I knew that like when you Google something, you want your thing to be first. Right. Right. And there was nothing on the internet under the same name. So I was like, and I'd, I'd seen guys like, uh, like Maud Fustang. I don't know if you, if you've heard of him, but like a few artists did the thing where they switched the letters in, <laughs> in the words. So it's like right. Ford Mustang and Maud Fustang, things like that. And that, that obviously didn't really work in like SEO uh, optimization right especially so with I, google I, it's like did you yeah. mean ford mustang <laughs> <laughs> and so then I, it'll yeah. show you 10 million ford mustangs exactly so yeah i always i always thought of that but i i'd always had the name and i i never you know i kind of just kept it to myself i didn't tell any friends or anything and, and kind of just kept it under wraps and then i and then i eventually started uploading like some some bootlegs to soundcloud and they didn't really get that much traction yeah well what was like the what was the first thing that you did that really started to catch some fire uh there was a there was a calvin harris bootleg i did Mm -hmm. and i put it on soundcloud and it hit a thousand plays (laughs) i'm still good on a hard drive and i i took a screenshot of my SoundCloud profile with the with the thousand play marker on it, and I still got the screenshot from however many years ago it was. But that was that was the first thing, and I was so gassed. I was just so so happy that I'd I'd reached a thousand plays on something. But looking back now, it's like that's cool. But at the time, I just remember being like, "Yes, this is uh, I've yeah, made it. I've made it huge." <laughs> I mean, well, now that you have like three and a half million plays or more on songs, five million plays on songs, I guess a thousand isn't really um, quite to that level. But I mean, when you're first getting there, that's still what a big moment. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And from there, was it just like, okay, this has got a thousand plays. I got to keep going. Like, how how did you next? Like, what was your next advancement? Did you start like trying to DJ clubs or like, was it all still base computer based at this point? Uh, I mean, yeah, I was, I really wanted to, to play clubs and I really wanted to, you know, just do everything that electronic music producers could do. But I mean, at the same time I was, you know, I was still underage at this time. I couldn't even get into clubs. Uh-huh. And so I, I just kind of kept you know, upload into SoundCloud, whether it was like bootlegs, not really much original stuff. I did a couple of things and uh, yeah. And just, just kept trying to keep consistent with it at the start. I think that was kind of the main thing that I, I strived for. And I, I did a couple of like parties and like anytime a friend would be like, yo, we need a DJ for our party, blah, blah. I'd always be like the first to, to try and get it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, the real kind of, the real kind of first, first bigger things that started happening was when I was like around 17, 18. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's when I was able to, you know, go to venues and, and, and play at venues. And by then after, you know, four years of just learning, 
I guess, computer music in and out, I, I had a pretty good grasp on what, what I needed to do to, to make, you know, good songs. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, yeah, like I keep going back to it, man, but it was, you know, the more and more I think about it, it's just more perfect timing. Like the second I was able to legally go into these, these venues was around the time where I'd finally kind of understood how to actually make like proper music. And yeah, it's You're uh, kind of ready at that point. Yeah, exactly. And I don't think I would have it any other way. You know, mm-hmm. I think, I think the way that it happened was very natural and, and not very forced, but yeah, that was, uh, that was when I started like hitting up venues and I would be like cold emailing them, like <laughs> just very naive. Just can I play like, here's my SoundCloud. And oh, I'm so embarrassed and thinking about it, but yeah, the, the funny thing was one of the, one of the venues that I'd relentlessly emailed to let me play uh-huh. never got back to me. And then, and then a couple of years later actually booked me. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. It's just a very, very weird moment. And did you call him out? <laughs> yeah I, 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 dude i mentioned it to him i was like yo <laughs> search your emails from like three years ago i was i was begging to play this place and i played it and it was just it was just a very full circle moment that's amazing yeah, yeah. that's really amazing <laughs> so were you did you start to make a name for yourself where in scotland or were you traveling outside of scotland to to play these clubs yeah i was trying to i was trying to do it like uh kind of just where i was um mm-hmm. In the UK, you know, with friends, I'd, I'd still stay in touch with the people back from where I grew up. So kind of just like in both places and I'm mostly in, in Scotland and in, uh, in a city called Edinburgh, um, mm-hmm. which is where a lot of like the music scene for Scotland was. And then, uh, yeah, and then kind of after that, I'd, I'd try and uh, I did a couple of like shows in, uh, in Belgium and uh, in Paris and and then that's kind of when Europe started kind of catching on a bit. And I would, I would be in Europe like ev- every other week um, doing shows and things like that um, while still trying to keep that kind of not grassroots feel, but like, I didn't, I didn't want to, I didn't want to just be like, I right, forget the UK. I'm going to go to Europe much like, you know, when I came to America, I was never like, forget everywhere else. I'm just going to do America. It was I wanted to still stay connected with, you know, the people I, I grew up around and, and had supported me and, and worked with me from the start. So, mm-hmm. yeah, just kind of Europe and the UK was, before I came to America, was like my main focus points. And I did an Australia tour as well in 2016 as well, um, which was, you know, cool cool to do. But, yeah, I, I mainly just focused on the UK because that's, that's where my roots are. You know, that's where, mm-hmm. where I feel like the most comfortable but yeah, just Europe, UK, Australia, just, just, just grind. And every, every weekend I would, I would always try and try and be somewhere. Okay. Yeah. And when, eventually when did you come to America? How many years later? Uh, it would have been a, would have been a, I want to say a year and a half after Australia. So I was doing, I was doing like Europe and the UK from like, I don't know, like 2013 to, or like 2012. Jesus. Like 2012 to uh, like 2016, 2017, like just solid. Okay. Um, and I did Australia in 2016 for the first time. And then 2017 is when I got my uh, US visa. 
and I came here back and forth a few times in t- towards the end of 2017. And then the start of 2018 is when I moved here. Like, okay. Time. Were you coming yeah. out here to play or were you, were you coming out here to work with different artists or like, kind how, of, what was your end to the U S yeah, a bit of both really. I mean, uh, my, you know, legally my, my, my job description was to play shows. That's, that's why my visa got, you know, approved and I, I, I built up such a, such an extensive touring history in other countries beforehand um, mm-hmm. that I was able to, to be granted access to, you know, work and, and live in America off those merits. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the first, the first kind of couple of times here, I, I played a, I, I played a couple of festivals and uh, that's when I was living in the UK. So I'd, I'd come back and forth. Okay. And, um, and then, you know, towards the end of 2017, coming back and forth, I, I kind of just looked at it, you know, financially. And I was like, it's, it's not cost effective to be spending all this money going, going back, back and forth. forth. Sure. Yeah. Uh, like this, this money that I was spending on flights could, could go to rent somewhere. Right. Um, and that's when I, when I kind of made the ultimate decision to, to move here permanently at the start of 2018. Okay. And then you moved yeah. to LA or Orange County. I moved to LA. Okay. Uh, yeah. did a, did a couple of years in LA and then, uh, moved to uh san diego did like, you really uh, yeah, yeah that's yeah. where i'm from yeah my uh my fiance's family is actually from san diego so what part if you don't mind me asking um we moved to uh like la jolla tourist oh, okay. area yeah, right. yeah very nice right there by the beach yeah. yeah it was it was awesome and then we uh we moved to like san marcos after that okay that's I, then, that's close to where i kind of was yeah yeah and then and then some really like dodgy stuff went down in San Marcos. We we were like pretty much like it was like a shooting that happened. So we we moved to Orange County. <laughs> oh, good call. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah, it was wild, bro. But we're all safe and healthy. And, and that's that's and, good. So, yeah, that's that's pretty sketchy. <laughs> yeah, we we thought we thought LA was sketchy, but <laughs> wow, that's crazy to hear about San Marcos being that way. It's a shame. I think it's it's ever since the pandemic. You know, people are people are unfortunately getting getting desperate, and you know, desperate times call for desperate measures. And you know, a few other things that happened. We'd had some like stuff stolen and things like that. So, oh man. Oh, so you yeah. were living in San Diego during the pandemic? Yeah. We. Oh wow. We moved, yeah, we moved uh, moved into our house in San Marcos, like as it started, and and were there until you know, when, when everything shut down and, and kind of had that as our, our base and then, yeah, all the bad stuff happened. So we, we, we moved up North again. Good call. Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> so you aren't too far from me. I was in Rancho Bernardo. Oh, there you go. I'll be. Yes. Sir. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah I'll be. That's cool. That's really cool. So now, okay. Well you have a, you had a huge song in 2018 wobble, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Was that what was, was like the first song that you had that really kind of took off? Was it that one? No, it was it was many years before that. Um, it was uh, me and uh, an artist called Borgo uh, collaborated on a on a remix for for one of his songs, and that was that was kind of the first time that that a big artist had had you know paid me attention. Okay. Um, yeah, and I'm I'm still good friends with him to this day, man. He's he's actually like you know one of like the realest people in, in the industries as far as I've met. But yeah, that was, that was like 2016. And that was, I always attribute that to like, you know, my first kind of big break. And okay. 
a notice outside of my 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 own small kind of fan base at the time but yeah that was uh 2016 and then a few others between then and then obviously wobble i mean it's it's kind of like a it's kind of a joke song in a way i never i never took it seriously and then you know the way that the internet works it just turned into a bit of a meme but <laughs> but it blew up i mean it nearly has four yeah. million plays on spotify yeah that's wild huh I mean, so that must strange. have been wild for you to witness it all kind of happening. Yeah, I mean, hey, you know, you you go into you go into releasing these records with a with a certain premonition or a certain way that you you want them to be received. I think that's that's human nature, right? Um, mm. But I never knew that it would be <laughs> so received in the way that it was, and it was just funny, man. Like I. I went into it like, yo, this is a funny song. Like, it's not very mm-hmm. serious. Like, me and Christian like crank that. Like, the, oh, the he's other a great collab- guy. Yeah, the other collaborator on it. But like, we're just like, we'll just make it. Like, it's like just a fun like club track. Like, mm-hmm. send it around for people to play out, and then it just blows up on Spotify for no reason. <laughs> bro, it's just, it's just, bro, it's just very strange. Like, you can never anticipate it. You know? Sure, Christian's amazing. We had him on a, on the podcast early on. Um, yeah, and his story is funny. He was like a sports guy from like Ohio. Wow. He's, yeah, and now he's you know killing it in the, <laughs> in the EDM scene. But wow. So yeah. when did you meet him, or like how did your relationship form with him? Just meeting him at different what festivals and stuff. I don't think we've ever met in person. You know. Oh, that was all done virtually. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, everything. Uh, you know, I. I played out his records for a short period of time. He played out my records for a short period of time. We followed each other on Twitter. He dropped me an iMessage, and then we just kind of worked on it over iMessage. And then I've still never met him. And I don't, I don't think we've actually spoken recently. But <laughs> that's so yeah, crazy. It's just, it's just, it's just such a, a random like blip in time where like everything happened. We made this song. We didn't intend for it to be like successful i mean i don't i don't know if like four million plays these days is successful but like it turned into I'd a say it is i'm there i'm i could bet you there's hand uh, millions upon millions of kids that would die to have that oh yeah plays on any of their songs I, and don't get me wrong i'm i'm very blessed and grateful you know but sure yeah it's uh it's just it was just it wasn't meant to be serious and then it just it just happened to you know take a few people's liking and it, it turned into like a meme and then people were like making like stupid like funny pictures with it and like i don't know bro it's just, it's just so <laughs> random yeah very <laughs> random you spend you spend you spend all this time like you know cultivating like a a story per se or like you know collaborating with like songwriters and other collaborators and you get a mm-hmm. big studio and you, you're all in a writing atmosphere and you're like yeah these songs are these songs are great and you put them out and they do well, but it's like a song that you made over iMessage. And I think we wrapped it in like 12 hours. Like <laughs> a song that you made over iMessage gets more plays. I don't, you know, it's, it's a weird world, especially, especially with electronic music. So. <laughs> That's funny. That's really yeah. funny. I didn't realize that you'd never even met him either. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Random. <laughs> yeah. It's so strange. Wow. Well, talk to me about this new record you have coming out. It's what the zip code to where you grew up yeah <laughs> yeah i think it's uh you know during during the pandemic at least you know we i feel like we all felt kind of locked in i mean we we were legally without putting sure. it too harshly and uh i was 
I, w- I wasn't able to go back to the UK. You know, I, I, I was pretty much stuck. And were that, you hoping that, to like, were you, so you weren't able to like, what, see your family or anything? No, I still, bro, I still haven't. It's been, uh, oh. yeah, oh since gosh. the start of it, it's been, it's been wild. For, thank God for FaceTime. But, uh, right. I yeah, can't imagine that, man. I'm sorry. That sucks. Nah, I mean, you know, these, you know, these things happen. We're all, we're all thankfully, you know, touch wood. We're all in, all in good health. Mm-hmm. That's kind of, you know, all I ask for. I think, uh, I think if something took a turn health wise within the family, it would be a very different situation, but you know, we're all, we're all making the best of it, but mm-hmm. yeah, I think the, the ultimate feeling from it was, uh, just being stuck. And I think, uh, you know, I've never from the past six, seven, eight years, I'd never really had a time where I'd not been traveling. And mm-hmm. that, that part of like the, it's a very American thing to say, but like freedom, the part of, you know, <laughs> but like the, the part of not having that freedom to just get on a plane and go wherever you want it really, really kind of slapped me in the face. I know, that, I know that's a, you know, a privilege for, for someone to be able to do that in the first place, but as something I was so accustomed to for, for nearly a decade, I, it really, really hit me hard, man. And I, I think uh, just going from that and uh, being so confined to essentially four walls, I, I'd never had the attention span before to, to think of an album. You know, it was always mm-hmm. EPs. It was always singles because I was always traveling. I was never mm-hmm. really home for more than three, four days. So I, I just remember, I just woke up one day and I was like, like, fuck it. I'm just going to make an album. Like I've, I've got nothing better to do. I'm, I can't travel. I don't have any shows. I can't even really go outside without, you know, being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So, so I just kind of locked in and the first kind of three months, three, four months of the pandemic from like March, I just, I just made all these demos and the, I didn't even mean for it to, but the resounding kind of theme that transpired from working on the records was that I was kind of homesick, you know, and I, I feel like I'd, I'd lost the, the reason why I even started doing this because being at the shows and listening to all this really obnoxiously like loud music, it influences you in a way where you come home and you're like, I've got to make music to keep up with the other records that other DJs are playing, you know, when, mm-hmm when you're in the show circuit and the touring circuit so much, that's such a heavy influence. So when that was taken away, I just made a load of music and I, it slowly started coming to me. I was like, these are records that I'd, I'd wish I was able to make when I was like a kid in the UK and with all of the influences from the UK, just kind of coming out from, from just being focused on this one thing. I, I kind of felt it necessary to be like, I, right, I'm going to name it you know, the area code of where I was born mm-hmm. and I'm going to make some of the, the visual, you know, a testament to, to where I grew up and my influences and things like that. And then that also led into like ultimately the sound of the records on the album. You know, a lot of it is like, there's like an old school dubstep record that's kind of a bit more modern day. And then there's a few like UK garage songs and just, just things like that. I think it really, it, it really needed to happen. I, I, I don't think I would be myself or, or portraying a realistic version of myself if I made an album that wasn't kind of authentically me. Mm-hmm. And again, timing wise, I think it just, it just happened to be, you know, the perfect time for it. And you had, I mean, 
I wonder, like, like having that that time and everything, was it something that you feel like you were able to like you, since you've never had that time to really like hunker down and, and write something that you like a full body of work? Yeah, I mean, yeah, like I've I've never been able to even think about having that attention span to doing right. Like, 10 songs it's always been like oh, i'm at the airport i've got to finish this one song or i'm in a hotel i've got to finish like this ep or i'm you know blah blah blah, blah. like it's it was it was just a very it was also just a very weird learning curve to mm-hmm. even approach it in that new way do you feel like because you weren't able to make it home to see your family or really grasp at the the roots of your you know where you grew up and everything is it why you focus so much on on this record, like, you know, pulling yeah. from that. Yeah. I think, you know, as, as cliche and cheesy as it is, like distance makes, you know, the heart grow fonder. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, being away from that, I was always, you know, whenever I'd go back, I'd always be a, like a little bit immersed in the culture for like a month or a couple of weeks, whenever I'd, I'd fly back previously, you know, I turn on the radio and hear what's what's happening over there. But, because I was so far away from that for so long. It was, yeah, it was just weird. It was, it just came to me, bro. Like it's, mm-hmm. I wish I could like delve into it more and, and, and explain it probably, but it just, it just came to me and as weird as that is. It's just, I, I genuinely think because I was just away from it for so long, my mind just kind of went into overdrive of, of all the things that I remember from when I was, you know, growing up. Uh-huh. For sure. I mean, yeah. For yeah. sure, because you're probably so, uh, you know, absorbed in like maybe American culture at this point, being here exactly. and living here. And it does. And I'm sure that takes toll and influences on your music and working with certain people and especially in the L.A., like EDM scene, maybe and trying to pull yeah. from like, where you grew up, maybe just having that. OK, I'm stuck at home. There's no one I could really were you able to like, were you working with anyone else or was it basically just you working on it yourself? And did that, was that different than your usual, I mean, most more recent stuff? Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, it was, it was mostly me. Um, mm-hmm. I have a, I have a friend back home who is, is an incredible producer and, and songwriter and, and he helped on a few of the records, but even then it was just like the, you know, there's, a, a few vocal features and and one of them is from the uk i think i was just really yearning to like speak to people from the uk um but yeah that's it it, it was just very weird man it was mm-hmm. it was just something i was was never used to in terms of trying to create a a, a whole kind of not i wouldn't say story I, I i didn't put too much emphasis on on creating a a story throughout like, the song like a concept just, record yeah but it was just it was just so weird i just i really just wanted to be home and i think the only thing that i could even do was to make music that made me feel like i was home if that makes sense right. no totally yeah. that makes total sense and you had a uh, charity vance on the record she was like an american idol right <laughs> yeah <laughs> i didn't i didn't even realize that until uh until we were friends for a while and then i <laughs> i think my manager was like yo i need like charities like social links to you know for i did a I did a remix for her a couple of years ago oh uh it was called it was an away record and it was called sleepwalker um 
Oh no, that was that was with a different vocalist. My apologies. Um, when was it? It was recently, actually. Yeah, I, I did a remix for her. And my my manager was like, "I need a social link," so I went on YouTube and searched her up, and the first thing that came up was American Idol. <laughs> <laughs> and I was yeah, and I was just like, "Oh, that makes sense." But and yeah. did you? Is that how you met her? Is through the the re- initial remix, and you just what dug her voice and put her on sensitive. Yeah, she she was kind of in the she knew people that I knew in LA and okay. I was and I I had heard her her voice on a few other records, not not American Idol. Um Right. <laughs> and then and then You're I, and watching then, American Idol and we're like that girl. <laughs> in, tw- in 12 years time, in 12 years that time. girl will be on my record. <laughs> nah. nah, nah. I didn't even yeah, I mean I no disrespect, I didn't even know who she was, but uh <laughs> but yeah, I I did I did the little remix for her. We've we've been friends, you know. We've worked on a few other records that just haven't come out. Okay. Um, and then yeah, just we uh we linked up in in a studio I was using to to finish off the album. It was really last minute actually, and she bought the uh the sensitive vocal, and, and within a day we just finished it. It's just wow. Again, it was just it's just natural, bro. Like if if mm-hmm. if something if something doesn't feel natural to me, and I I don't feel like. Or, or I feel like I have to force it or there has to be a, a continued amount of effort that goes into it kind of against my own will. I just, I just don't do it, <laughs> which might be detrimental, but I, you know, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're not going to get behind it, if you're, if your heart isn't into it, it's like, why even move forward just to yeah. put something out? It doesn't make exactly. much sense. Exactly. So you got the record together. It comes out what next week, next Friday. I think so. I'm not too sure. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? The days are so, I mean, nowadays it's like we've all been inside for almost nearly two years. It's like <laughs> crazy. Wait, so crazy. Absolutely do you have any, insane. are you going to be able to, or do you have any hopes to perform anytime soon or what it, was it looking like? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've done a couple. Oh, really? Um, yeah, I did. Uh, towards the end of 2020 I actually did one of those uh drive-in shows what was that like really cool really i re- i really liked it and i did i do a couple i think i did a couple actually i did i did one in denver and i did one in florida somewhere um but yeah man it was it was like that, to have that be like the first experience back after a year of not of not playing shows it was mm-hmm. it was actually really nice and i you know, there's a there's a guy in in Denver called uh, Dom who put on that uh, that drive-in. He's incredible promoter, incredible guy. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, it was just really well put together. You know, I think I think after so long away, I was I was also happy just to be able to be a part of providing for like the sound guys and the visual artists and and stage techs and and the companies who supply the sound system you know just i it was it was just a very good feeling to know that we were all helping support the industry when when no one was no one was doing it like everyone Uh was furloughed and or like fired in a way and yeah it was it was it was just a very heartwarming moment it was different because everyone's you know in pods in their cars away from you like miles and miles away but just to be in the presence of live live music again it was really cool that is cool and i'm sure it was even more strange for an artist like i mean in an edm world of dance parties and 
Yeah. You know, the, now you have people what, like dancing in like little pods or like in their car, but that's still cool. At least you got to, to be there and play live. And it's some almost probably some little bucket list thing that you never thought you'd ever need yeah. to check off. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> no one, no one knew that it was ever going to happen. And then you know, promoters really just put their thinking caps on and pivoted. And I remember the very first ones were all in like, drive-in movie theaters they'd put the venues mm. in because they would already be the infrastructure for a load of cars to be parked up and that's right in my head that's genius like no one would have ever thought of that before mm-hmm. but here right. you are, yeah yeah dope so, cool. so, sick. <laughs> <laughs> so you had a chance to do a couple of those and like what about actual parties coming up anything uh i think i do uh vegas this weekend um, oh wow yeah just like a just a random show not not like a part of a tour or anything uh-huh. um but because a lot of the uh a lot of the kind of festivals and stuff at least until august september are, are mostly like rebookings from last year yeah the the worst part was was i had a headline tour last year that got cut in half because of obviously covid uh-huh. and because i was committed to that headline tour before covid was even a thing i had to like not go for any of the festivals because I was doing my own headline tour. And then what happened was all the festivals got rebooked to this year, Uh but my my tour, we didn't bother rebooking the rest of my tour to this year. So I'm kind of in a place where I'm like, all these festivals already had their lineups like a year ago. And I'm just kind of like sitting around doing nothing. (laughs) That (laughs) is weird to me. Like with the, with the festival lineups, I was talking to somebody about this the other day. It's like, they didn't really change the artists much and it usually changes with whatever is kind of popping right now and it's like to see you know some of the headliners you're like okay like i get it but like they i mean i guess lizzo would be an example of somebody like where she had that huge record in 2019 it was like okay 2020 she's gonna be you know the biggest thing and it's like that record kind of came and went. <laughs> and now yeah, she's, the headli- she she's yeah. the headliner of like Bonnaroo and all the, you know, Lollapalooza. And it's like, I'm sure they would love to have uh, Olivia Rodrigo as the headliner oh, now. Yeah. You know what I mean? She wasn't even a thing yet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, it's just, it's just throwing a bit of a spanner in the works. And, and right. obviously everyone is contractually committed to these festivals. It's just, a, <laughs> I think, I think uh, 2022 is really going to be the time where, you know, even in the pop world, like the kid Leroy blew right. up. Right. Oh, yeah. In 2020. Like, uh-huh. and I can, you know, if he keeps going where he's going, which is, which is up, he's going to be like headlining Coachella in 2022. Right. You know? Like, sure. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Like this, this year has been kind of like a bit of a, I don't know. I've not paid too much attention to the, to the billings or the, the placements on festivals because, 90% of it is just rebooks from last year. And then the uh-huh. 10% are people who are stuck outside of the U S and then they just have to get like last minute replacements, you know? Right. And a lot of people, yeah. I mean, a lot, in Canada too, like a lot of those people can't even come down here to tour and play. So wild, absolutely wild. Yeah. We'll see. Hopefully it at all, everything opens up you know, soon enough, not just certain countries. <laughs> honestly, honestly. Wow. Well, dude, congratulations on the record. I can't wait to hear it all the way through. And Thank you. you know, next Friday comes out and I appreciate you doing this. I appreciate your time, man. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for having me. I have one more question for you before I let you go, Bradley. I <laughs> want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists. Uh, yeah. Keep, keep at it. 
don't be a dickhead and be respectful of who you talk to and which circles you move in because in five years time someone you might be digging on might be the biggest artist in the world and you never know so just you know i think music aside music is a is you know you can learn and adapt and change how you make music and styles and that is always going to be changing but but respect and morals within the music industry goes so far and i think just drop the ego just be a good person and and respect everyone around you whether they have a hundred followers or a million followers you know that's all i have to say on that Backwards